Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on The Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Throughout Faith Promise this year, uh, we'll be going through all of our five key regions. Last week, we began with local. That is one of our key regions in the Bay Area. And what a phenomenal message by Tim last weekend to start it. I think every church in the Bay Area needs to hear that message. I've been sharing that link with many people. And last week, uh, Tim shared why here is so important in our missions efforts. As God has brought the world here, but also as Silicon Valley is such a strategic and significant, influential place that does impact the whole world on a daily basis. So here in missions is important. And today we want to look at why there is important for missions as well. Looking at how missions is a call to the nations. And that's what we want to focus on today. The primary passage that we'll be looking at is is Matthew 9, 35 to 38. So if you have your Bibles, you could open there. And also you could follow along with me in your outlines as well. So we want to look and answer the question today, why must we go there for missions? Why go to the nations? And there's a few important reasons for that. For one thing, the reason why we need to uh, go there for missions is because Jesus commands us to go, right? That's pretty straightforward. Jesus commands us to go. Look at Matthew 28, 19, Great Commission, right? Go, therefore, and make disciples of who? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we are called to go, right? Uh, Proclaim the gospel, make disciples of all nations. So Jesus commands us to go. Pretty straightforward. And in Acts 1.8, we saw last week how there is a progressional element to Jesus' command. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, where they were at, Judea, Samaria, neighboring areas, and to the ends of the earth. So there is a spreading out effect here. So we begin here, Bay Area in our Jerusalem, And it spreads, it is meant to spread this gospel message there to the ends of the earth. And throughout scripture, God calls his people to be a blessing to the nations. In Genesis 12, when God commissions Abraham, he says, I have called you and I will bless you to be a blessing to all the nations and families of the earth. Psalm 67 declares, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Now that word peoples is Hebrew for ethne or ethnos in plural, and that's from which we get the word ethnicities. And so God's desire has always been for people groups, for ethnicities, for nations to all know the living Savior. So the message of God's saving grace must be declared so that all peoples, nations, ethnicities can declare the greatness of God's grace. And at the end of Scripture in Revelation, we see a vision where one day every tribe, tongue, nation, and people from around the world will bow before Jesus as Lord, Savior, and King. So that is why we must go there to the nations. And within our five regions, again, we began here locally, uh, but we don't stop there. This is why we need to go there, to Mexico, to the Middle East, to Ethiopia, 
And this week's focus will be on the work we've been involved with in India. So let's go to our primary passage now in Matthew 9, starting from verse 35. He says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So there is a going element to our call as disciples, as Jesus did. Jesus went to towns, villages, places in need of the good news. And as he went, he was teaching, preaching, healing, and meeting the real needs of that area. So for us, here at Venture Church, becoming a going culture, becoming more missional in our lives, requires us to be intentional and invitational. What do I mean? So we need to be intentional about taking our next step of creating this going culture within our congregation. Now, we at you know, Venture Church, we believe that everybody has a next step, as you've been hearing over the past several months. Everybody has a next step to take in their spiritual journey. Whether you know Christ yet or not, we all believe that we have a next step to take. And for us to become more missional here also mean, means we need to examine and be intentional about what is my next step to help create this going culture. For some of you, it may mean going on your first mission trip, short-term trip. And we have about 20 planned for this next year. That So many different places. You could go individually. You could go encourage you to consider going as a family. That Some families have gone together. That's been transformational for that family. You can go as a life group. And yeah, maybe some of you guys want to go to the Middle East. You will go to India. You could go to these faraway places, but some of you are like, you know, I don't know, that seems kind of far. You could go to Mexico as your first one, or even Sacramento. And you'll be hearing about some of the work that we've been able to do with the refugees from the Middle East who are settling in Sacramento in greater numbers each year. And so what is your role of taking that next step of becoming a going culture and a missional church? For the students that are here, maybe your next step, you can consider going abroad for a semester or a year in your studies to a country that needs a greater Christian presence and a witness. For those of you who are working, prayerfully consider maybe for a season that you can work or expand your work company's efforts in countries that also need a Christian presence. But creating a going culture will take some intentionality on our parts. And creating this missional culture also means that we must be invitational as well. Be invitational in our lifestyle. So as we go, we invite people to begin this spiritual journey. One simple way to become invitational is to go back after the service to the India booth and sign up to be a host family for international students during the holiday period of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now, what was really cool is last year, we made this challenge as well, and some of you, many of you, responded to that, say, we could host somebody during Thanksgiving, that's no problem, we could love on people, and you did, and we thank you for that, and one cool story that came out of that is last year, during Thanksgiving, they signed up, they, they became a host family, and one young lady from India, who was a strong and devout Hindu, 
Uh, she was hosted by this family, loved on them. They just lavished her with love, just decided to just embrace her as their daughter. And so she experienced an American Thanksgiving for the first time. She heard the stories of what was about our faith journey. And then they invited her to Christmas, the Christmas service. And so she came and started to get exposure to church for the first time. And what's cool is five months ago, she gave her life to Christ. And so that was a simple way that us becoming more invitational and missional, intentionally, has brought now this lady, this young lady, who thought she was coming to Silicon Valley for studies, God sent her here to save her soul. And there are so many people from around the world who are here for work, for studies, thinking that's why they're here. But the real reason, the eternal reason why God sent them into your sphere of influence, into your sphere of contact, is so that you might be used by God to help them make their next step closer to Jesus. What a privilege that is. What an honor that is. And while you're at the table after the service, uh, there's also opportunities for you to sponsor students from India as well. So I want you to ask yourselves today, what is my next step to becoming more missional in this city? Another reason why we must be thinking there for missions is because not only did Jesus call us to go, secondly, it is because many still do not know. Many still do not know. So let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. So when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So as Jesus saw them, he went to all the villages. He saw the crowds. He saw the condition of the people. And as he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Right? So as he saw, his heart of compassion grew. You see, that is the same with us. As you go, your heart will grow with the things that burden God's heart as well. I know I've heard this excuse many times. Some of you guys might be thinking, well, you know, Eddie, I don't have a heart for missions, so I don't think I should go. Or I don't have a heart for missions, so I shouldn't give to missions. But one way to gain a heart for missions is to go on missions. The first time that I went on a mission trip was my freshman year in college. And I'll confess that when I signed up to go, I had zero heart for missions. We were going to Africa. I had zero heart for Africa. But as we started to prepare and pray for it, you know, I got start to get interested, but man, after I went there and saw the children, saw the villages, saw the people going to places that have never even heard of the name of Jesus, man, that rocked my world. That changed my life. It changed my perspective on the global church and what God desires to see happen across the nations. So as you go, your heart will grow. And so I want to challenge you, if you don't have a heart for it, that's okay. Take steps of obedience to what God has called you to do. And let God work in your hearts. Another way that we gain a heart for the nations is also to begin putting your resources towards missions. Because what happens when you start investing in a certain company or stocks? Suddenly you're interested in them, right? Suddenly that industry is of interest to you, right? When they're on the news, if a disaster happens that affects your stocks, You're interested. Why? Because you put your money there, your treasures there, your resources there. And you know that's a biblical principle? Because Jesus teaches us as well. 
Where your treasure is, there your hearts will be also. You see, if you want your heart to begin growing towards the things of God's kingdom-building work, begin investing your treasures and your finances into that work as well. And we want to especially move our hearts towards missions to areas where there is great need of the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and following. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Look at that second part of verse 14 again. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How can they believe in Jesus if they've never even heard of his name? So we want to focus our efforts missionally on places with great need of the gospel. You see, of the 7.67 billion people in the world today, over 3 billion are unreached, meaning there's no realm of opportunity for them to stumble onto a Christian or encounter a church in their community. There's no visible Christian witness within that part of the world for 3 billion people. So this is a big reason why we are in India for one of our key regions. This nation has 1.3 billion people, and yet 1.299 billion people are unreached. They have never heard of the gospel. There's a little over 2,500 people groups within India, and of that, 2,300 people groups who have yet to know Christ. Almost 80% of that nation are Hindu. About 14% are Islam, and less than 2% are Christian. So many still do not know even the name of Jesus. You know, one time I, uh, for one of my mission trips, also in Africa, uh, this was a, we were going to visit an unreached group um, in this village, very rural part. It took us 15 hours to get there. Five hours driving through deserts. Okay, we're just driving in Africa through the, for like five hours. That was rough. And then we drive, and then the surrounding shifted to its more of a jungle-like environment. We drive another five hours through the, this jungle. All of a sudden, it's like the roads are starting to disappear, and it's getting bumpy. We're like, oh my goodness. And then the roads stop. It's like, oh, are we here? No, we have to get up. We have to walk for another five hours. Through, through again, these jungles and these narrow bridges. You're like, does anybody even live here? But we finally arrived into this village. Because we're visitors, the uh, village chief welcomes us into his home, his hut. So we get in. We're all sweaty. We're tired. We're, we're just everything. We're like longing. Only there was ice water. If only there was air conditioning. There was nothing, right? But because we're visitors, the chief summons his servant to bring the best drinks for us. And he brings out a case of Coca-Cola. We were so happy. We're like, where in the world did that come from? But who cares? Because we're so happy, right? You know, I've been on a lot of mission trips in a lot of rural areas over the years. No matter how rural it is, no matter how hard it was to get there, they all had Coke. In fact, one survey found that over 91% of the world's population has heard of Coke, 
74% has seen it, 51% has tasted it. So of that statistic, so over 91% of the world's population has heard of Coke, meaning less, only 9% of the world has never heard of Coke. Only 9% has never heard of it. But more than 40%, 42% of the world has never heard the gospel yet. That is messed up. Coke has reached more of the world with their sugar water than the church has reached the world with the saving message of Jesus Christ for their souls. That is why we must go there for missions. Coke is passionate about spreading drinks to the ends of the earth, but we have the message of salvation. We have living water that their souls are dying for. And that is why the church must go where they do not know. Amen? We have the living water that can satisfy their souls for all of eternity. That is why reaching the unreached groups of this planet must be a priority for the church in our day. We go because Jesus commands us to go. We go because many still do not know. And a third reason why we must go there is because the seeds of the gospel we must sow. The seeds of the gospel we must sow. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What he's asking for here is that we pray for more people who will obey. God, send out people who will obey your call to go to the nations, to the ends of the earth, and make disciples of them. God, send out people who will obey your call to go to places that have yet to know the name of Jesus so that we can share that there is a Savior who died for their sins, and his name is Jesus. And as we pray that we will be a people who sow the seeds of the gospel, wherever we go, we need to incorporate that into our lifestyle. To realize that as we go, as we work, as we vacation, as we live our lives, we are also taking advantage of opportunities to sow the seeds of the gospel through how we speak, through how we live. Look at Luke chapter 8, verses 5 and following. It says, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path, was trampled by un and underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Some fell amongst thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is saying, are you really listening to what I'm trying to tell you? Is that you have been entrusted with the gospel, and we see that as a seed, that wherever we go, we are called to spread that seed, to sow the seeds of the gospel. But the reason why this passage should encourage us is we, Jesus knows that the hearts of those who hear that good news will all be different. The soil of our hearts, of those we talk to, it'll all be different. But 
The reason why we shouldn't be encouraged by this is because he says, your job is not to change the heart. That is God's job. Your job isn't to save people. Did you know that? When you evangelize, your job isn't to save people. That's God's job. Our job is to make the gospel message known. Our job is to sow the seeds, spread the seeds wherever we go. Yeah, hearts will all be different, but you leave that changing of a heart to God. You be faithful in spreading that seed of the gospel. There will be people that God has been preparing, and at the right time, that hearts will be changed. Amen? So as we go, we sow the seeds of the gospel. And sometimes we will sow and plant those seeds through demonstrating the gospel, by living it out, by becoming a visible and tangible expression of God's grace into their lives. So the video that you saw in the introduction to India's region right before this message, you saw an amazing story of what happened. Some of our ministry partners there, uh, they were trying to reach out to this village that was not reached yet, and they blocked them, saying, no, you are foreigners, you are Christians, we do not want you, you cannot come in here. But what did they do? They continued to pray, and they said, hey, you know what? We will not, okay, you don't want us to speak of Jesus? We won't. All we want to do is love your people. We have doctors who can help your sick people. We have teachers who can educate your children. That's all we will do. And so reluctantly, they let them in. And they began healing, helping, serving these women who had cancer. They began educating these children, and their hearts began to open up. And as they began to open up, they had opportunities now to gather as a fellowship and hear the gospel. And this is one thing that the group, the village leader who initially said, you cannot come in here, and if you do, you cannot speak the name of Jesus. After experiencing a life that is living out Christ into their community, this is what they, she said. She said, we told you not to speak of Jesus, but instead you showed us what he looked like. Thank you. As we demonstrate the gospel, God can use that to soften the soil of hearts to receive the gospel one day. Other times, planting a seed will be through declaring the gospel. Uh, Sri, Lanka, Sri Lanka only knew rejection from the time of her birth. The abuse that she faced from her mother was so severe that she tried to commit suicide two times in second grade. How crazy is that? As the abuse was increasing, someone from one of our ministry groups in India, the Asa Children's Home, found out about this abuse and was able to introduce this young child to this home to receive care. And so from that second grade, she began to hear and be discipled and loved and was taught that you are not a mistake, you are not garbage, you are not trash. There's a God who made you and made you on purpose for a purpose. And he sent his son because, yeah, your mother hurt you and abused you. But you know what? There is a father in heaven who loves you. And yeah, the, the anger and abuse that you face, that's because of sin. We are sinful. But you know what? God sent Jesus to die for those sins so that we could be set free and one day be home with him. And she started to grow in by the age 15. She gave her life to Christ. And not only that, she changed her heart towards her mother where she intercedes and prays for and reaches out in love to her mother. And now God is working in her mother's heart as well. And she's starting to see change and transformation in that relationship. 
And that is another fruit of what we've been seeing happen through faith promise this past year in India. You see, our job is not to save or change. Our job is to obey and take steps of faith. And we watch God save and change. So why must our thinking be there? Jesus commands us to go. There are still many who do not know and the seeds of the gospel we must sow. And there, finally, there's one more reason why we must be thinking there in missions, and that is this. This is how the kingdom will grow. This is how the kingdom will grow. Look at Luke 13, 18. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. Now, this is one of several parables that Jesus speaks of that is trying to convey the same point of how something small initially, like the seed, or in other parables, the yeast, it starts, it starts out very small, but eventually they grow, and suddenly the yeast impacts the whole dough. The seed grows to the largest tree. And he's referring to the kingdom of God, meaning initially our efforts to see the kingdom grow seems very small, humble, and insignificant even. But one of the things that you need to understand about the kingdom of God is that Jesus is the king of it, and one day that kingdom will conquer this world. And so the kingdom work that we get to partner in for example, in India, it seems very small initially. Oh my goodness, 1.3 billion people, 1.229 billion still have yet to know Christ. And we're just trying to do a little bit here. But you need to understand, that's how the kingdom grows. You're faithful, faith-filled people taking steps of faith, of sowing the gospel, declaring the gospel, living out the gospel. That kingdom will one day grow and impact all the nations of this earth. Matthew 24, 14 also reminds us, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus is reminding us that this kingdom will spread to all the nations one day, but he is waiting for faithful people to obey his call. But not only that, this awesome promise in Matthew 24 tells us that the return of Jesus is dependent upon the church finishing the Great Commission. So those who love Jesus, kingdom citizens, those who long for his return, long to go home to heaven, long to be reunited with their loved ones, long to see the home that Jesus has been preparing for us for over 2,000 years, those who have that love and longing will be all the more eager and obedient to finish the Great Commission as soon as we can. Amen? So let's go back to India once, once again. In India, where 1.299 billion people have yet to know Christ, what is happening there? What have we done beyond the videos we've heard and testimonies we've heard so far? Let me share a few other statistics for you. Through faith promise giving this past year and our partnerships in India and other places, but specifically now for India, over 4,930 people have heard the gospel this past year. 
2,308 people gave their lives to Christ in India this past year through our mission efforts there. 541 people were baptized, 16,500 Bibles were distributed, and 207 home churches were started. This is the fruit of faith promised through Venture Christian Church this past year. What we, we give what we can. Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering. So thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your generosity. Lives by the thousands are going to be in eternity because of what you gave this past year. And we celebrate that. You see, we give what we can. God, this is, okay, you pray about what you're going to give. Okay, God, it may result, okay, a couple loaves of bread, a couple of fish. God, here it is. You know what God does to a couple of loaves of bread, a few fish? You know what God can do? God blesses it and he feeds it to the multitudes. That's the kind of God we serve. God doesn't need your money, he need, but he is looking for obedience with the money that he has entrusted to us so that he can use you with the blessings he has blessed you with to be a blessing to the nations. God is moving in India. The next story I want to share with you comes out of Bihar, India. It's a state in India about the size of Tennessee, but with 100 million people. So a little bit more crowded than Tennessee has extreme poverty, 0.1% believers are there. The death rate, though, in this city is 5,000 people per day because of the environment. What that tells us is so about 4,999 people per day are entering a Christless eternity because they never knew the name of Jesus. There were two brothers in that area, Anil and Naharbi, Naharbi, uh, one was a school superintendent and another a chicken farmer. Both were followers of Christ. And uh, after a few years of trying to reach out to their neighbors and dis, you know, evangelism, nothing. Zero fruit, just opposition, opposition, persecution, nothing, nothing, nothing. They were so discouraged. And so they heard about this church planning seminar uh, that was happening. And so they went there. And while they were there, uh, the seminar speaker said this to the group. says, go to an unreached village this next week. And when you enter, the first person who approaches you and asks you why you are there, you are to say to them, we come in the name of Jesus, we desire to pray for your village. So they looked at each other like, as if that's going to do anything. But then they were like, you know what? Everything we've tried the past few years hasn't resulted in anything either, so why not? Let's just give it a try. So they did. They go to an unreached village, and a man comes up to them, says, what are you doing here? And they get their pre-scripted line ready. Well, we come in the name of Jesus and... And then he stops and wait, wait, Jesus? I, I think I've heard of that name, but I have no idea who he is. Can you tell me about this person, Jesus? They're like, um, yes, we can tell you about this earth. And as they're about to, they're like, wait, wait, wait. I know my family and a lot of my friends in my village. They don't know who he is either. Would you be willing to come to my house? If I gather people, would you be willing to tell all of us about Jesus? They're like, um, yes. We would be open to that. And so he takes them to their home, and he, ga- he does. He gathers his friends, his relatives, uh, all the community. So suddenly a large group is there and says, this person will tell us about this man named Jesus that I've heard about, but I don't know who he is. And so they, be- he begin- they begin sharing the gospel with them. And then over the course of the next several days, they share with more people who are interested. And then within a couple of weeks, 20 people gave their lives to Christ. 
Now that in and of itself is pretty cool. A village that was once unreached has 20 believers, that's pretty awesome. But as they began to disciple them, these 20 people, they began sharing with them, hey, you know what? The reason why we're here is because other people also do not know the name of Jesus and do not know how they can be saved from their sins. So you now, as a disciple of Jesus, you have to do the same thing. You have to go to unreached parts of our community, of this country, and bring the message of hope and salvation. So they did that. And over the past three years, a movement began in BR India where since that initial visit, now there are over 300 churches and home Bible study groups that have begun in that city. And through some of our other ministry partners, Global Fellowship, for example, in India, we have seen 820 new house churches begin this past year in India and Nepal. And 56 people groups that were one unreached now have the gospel. God is moving in India because people are praying for India. And people who are obedient to God's call to go are going with the gospel. The task is big, yes, but our God is bigger. The challenges we face may be great, but our God is greater. And the gospel we share is the greatest news, the greatest message the world can ever know. And we have the honor of sharing it. Sharing the gospel is something that not even angels have the honor of doing. Do you realize that? And we have the honor of sharing it for all of our lives. Some of you, God will call to go, and what an honor it will be to go. Others of you, God will call to give, and what an honor it will be to give to this type of work around the world. So give generously. Others of you, maybe it's simply going to be this year, invite an international student to your home this Thanksgiving. But what an honor it is to be on mission with God, to share his fame, and to bring glory to his name. You see, as a church during Faith Promise, we are declaring the glory and the worth of Jesus by saying Jesus is worthy to be worshipped in these nations. He is worthy to be lived for. God's glory will spread throughout the whole world through a people who delight in God and declare the mightiness and majesty of his grace. People who declare, let the nations praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule justly during faith promise we are not saying that going to a certain place is more holy than others that you're more godly if you go to a certain place what we are asking you to do is to give your heart before the Lord and say God I want to be open to how you want to use me to take the next step so that others can take a step closer to knowing Jesus Christ we want you to be open and say, God, how do you want to use my life? How do you want to use our family? How do you want to use our vacation time? How do you want to use the blessings of finances that you've given me to help others enter eternity knowing Jesus Christ? It's not about location. It is about a heart's devotion and obedience before the Lord. So we declare, God, my life is yours, Lord. My money is yours, Lord. My time is yours, Lord. Here it is. Here's my two fish. Here's my couple of loaves of bread. God, use it. Bless it. Use it to feed the multitudes so that they may know the bread of life. Use it, God. Use me. Use us to spread a passion for your name amongst all the nations of the earth.
That is what faith promises about. A heart's desire to meet the desires of God's heart so that all will know of the matchless Savior's name, of Jesus. Let's pray. Can we pray first and foremost by giving thanks to God for his great work in India this past year? God, thank you. Let's speak in there, shall we? God, thank you for the thousands who heard the gospel for the first time in India because of our church's obedience. God, thank you for the hundreds who gave their lives to Christ for the first time who we will see in heaven one day because of the generosity and obedience of our church. God, thank you for using us in this awesome way. Can we begin there? But also let's say, God, more. We want more people to know Jesus. We want... We don't want just the thousands, God. We want the rest of the 1.29 billion people in India to know the gospel and to love the Christ of the gospel. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.